PS3. I guess, and it, no, like, okay, so you know how... Oh, you started the pod already. Yes, I did. Oh. So you know, like, how I, I was saying earlier how... Oh, because we were watching the Spider-Man trailer, and, like, it blows my mind that we're gotten to the, we've gotten to the point where it's mainstream and cool enough to have, like, a multiverse movie within Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, like, a weird... It's not, like, a weird kind of, like, let's try this out. It's more like, nah, this is what the audiences want kind of thing. So, like... Sometimes I think I take it for granted how lucky I am to live not only where I live, but in the time that I live. Because, mm-hmm. like, how easy would it have been for, like, fate or history or whatever what you want to call it to just place you, like, we're going to place Johnny in the Antarctic during the Middle Ages or something weird like that. Mm-hmm. So do you ever, like, think of, like, how... Yeah, I consider that all, all the time. Because uh, we talk about so much about gaming. I think about fuck like we're 25 years into the life of playstation and sort of xbox 20 years yeah yeah they just literally had their 20th anniversary yesterday yeah but like what does the future you're hold? like what is it gonna look like in 25 years is there really that much of an advancement these last 25 years is this a good spot i'm like damn i'm like an original, you know, like I'm I'm one of the guys that saw it from the beginning. The like, pioneer. Yeah, the PlayStation and Xbox and Nintendo, they're all growing. That's awesome. Right. Well, I mean we did miss out like on like the Atari and like Which I don't give a shit. The stuff from before that. Important, that, relevant. Which but, is like the real like what started started it. Right. Yeah, but I definitely didn't want to be in that timeline, right? And then twenty five years ago, is it gonna be good? Is it gonna be dystopian? Is are we gonna live in uh, Zuck's world, the fucking Weta and the VR? I don't want to be part of that world. Is it gonna look like like that in twenty five years? You don't want the full immersion, like Ready Player One VR kind of world. I sort of do, but I don't, knowing that Zuck is like the head of that. You're you know? scared of being stuck in the simulation or something? Yeah, because I've made I've made jokes to myself before. You know, when I'm having like a hard day, where I'm like, man, just put me in a pod i'm ready for the matrix let's just do this but an alternative to like the boringness and the inescapable kind of like suckiness of reality kind of well not the suckiness of reality it's just what am i gonna what world am i gonna experience you know okay in that world because you know there's days where they're fucking tame and some days are awesome but what am i gonna get to see on 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 the fucking in vr you mm-hmm. know but I feel like the closer we get to VR, it gets pretty fucking dystopian. Well, the, cool, the the thing I think about sometimes is, and I think I've heard other people say the same thing, is like of all the me- forms of media, like mm-hmm. video games is the youngest one. Like movies have been around for a century. Mm-hmm. TV has been around for at least a couple of decades longer than video games have. Music has been around since the creation, like the dawn of civilization. Like video games is kind of like the the new frontier in a way where it's like, it's still, it's only been around for like about half a century. Really. When you think about it, like the earliest form of video games is like from like the late sixties with like the before pong, they had like this weird, like this massive computer that like took up an entire room. And mm-hmm. it was just to kind of make like, um, kind of like an asteroids kind of like prototype where you're just like shooting things kind of thing. Yeah. So like, who knows where it's going to be in like ha- in that same amount of time, just like forward, like fifty years from now. But of all those forms of entertainment, when has it been a situation where it's like, "fuck, this shit can get dark"? I think I think the VR stuff is kind of like that, or some of like the meta stuff. That's like... what I'm saying. Like right now, we might really be in like a very sweet spot. Like from now, maybe the next ten years, and then 
it kind of starts getting sketchy. You think like it's gonna become like Matrix level, like just like no, like we not, didn't realize when we slipped in. Kind of. I'm thing? not gonna say it's it's Matrix level, not at all. I mean, like everybody's stuck on fucking social media, right? Right. Being unproductive. Right. Like uh, them telling you with the with the current pandemic, it's like you can't do this, you can't do that, but you can do this. Right. And it's kind of like putting restraints on you, like just funneling you into some shit you're not even aware of okay i could see that i think um like right like we saw an explosion in terms of like streamers and like well look at us like we started our podcast during the pandemic also in a way like at the very be- no like a few weeks before the pandemic remember yes but i feel like this is something we've wanted to do before the pandemic fair ended. enough fair enough the you're pandemic right. was just like well fuck what better time than now you know we got the zoom meetings we got people binging stuff and yeah. it's kind of like i get what you're saying uh you're saying are you trying to it sounds like you're trying to say that it's very easy for us to be kind of just like herded into a direction is that what you're saying yeah like but, so but, much cattle yeah but to your original point I'm not sure if I, I should really stress about what time period I'm in. You know, this is this is a pretty sweet one right here. Right. Yes. So. I mean, it's kind of like, I, who was it? Somebody said, like, we live in a time where it's too late to explore the Earth, but too early to explore, like, space kind of thing. Like, you're, there's no, like, pioneers of this time, of this era. Who said that? I've heard this before so many times. Who Who said it's too late to explore the Earth, though? Well, because, like, the entire Earth is already mapped. Except the ocean. It's like 90% okay, of it. Okay, the earth, emphasis on the earth, like land, is mapped. Like, okay. there's no more, like, new frontier. I mean, it's too late to, like, map the earth. Still too early to actually do, like, like reliable space travel. Like, it's not, we're not entering the Star Wars era anytime soon, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, I mean, if you... It's like a weird transitional period is what they're trying to say. But, I mean, it's like... Say... We're, we're seeing the fledge... Oh, sorry. I moved the laptop... We're seeing like the fledging of like okay, we're getting to the moon now. We have like you know the the whole like SpaceX program and stuff like that. Like, I think in our lifetime, I think yours and I lifetime, we'll see like colonization of like space. Yeah, I think so too. Because when you make the the comment about space, it's like okay, tell the Wright brothers in 1900s that it's too, it's a little too soon for flight. Okay, explain that to me. Too soon for flight. Because they weren't flying in 1900. Right. They were flying like in 1903, 1906, something like that. Right. So it's like, well, motherfuckers, like we can get pretty far within this decade, which they were doing some shit already. That always blows my mind when I think about like how we went from like that. Well, you just said like barely lifting off the ground and like 60 years later, we were on the moon. Yeah, I think about that. Okay. That that small like in the entire history of man, like up until like before like steam technology, like yeah. innovation was like so slow, and then all of a sudden it's like it just caught up really fast, like with production, like coal, like steam power, coal production, like that stuff just like rocketed everything else like forward. Yeah, well, for the audience, this is a video game podcast. We'll get into it right now, <laughs> but but I like making that um. Like, writing off of your comment right now, it's... So, how long was, uh, the like, the steam revolution? Okay, so, steam power became a thing, like, I want to say late 1700s. Okay, 1700s, late. Because we still had, like, wooden boats that required sails, like, during the American Revolutionary War. Mm-hmm. 
But by the time of like Andrew Jackson, like the War of eighteen twelve, uh, mm-hmm. they already had like steam powered like warships. And well, they weren't like made of metal yet, but they already had like like freak. Now, okay, I'm sorry. Not yeah. See, coal power is steam, right? I'm trying to think. Yeah, right. Yeah, it is. Okay, so by that time, like they already had the steampunk kind of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Not so like fantastic, but like steam was like already being like pioneered as like by the time you get to the civil war like 50 years after that like by then we already have like coal and like actual warships that are made of metal and stuff so around late 1700s early 1800s is when steam becomes like the thing to use (laughs) why i just have so many thoughts i don't know how to like condense them but yeah, like we have the Wright brothers in the 1900s, and they start they begin to fly within that decade. But within that decade, to like the 60s, we go to the fucking moon. That shit is insane. Dude. Oh that yeah, that little very, time frame. Yeah, it's incredible. We're like, from that point to 45, we have the fucking nuke. Yeah, that's wild, be, dude. Yeah, that is insane. Yeah, you're right. And then we have things like the Blackbird, the SR-71. We right. have the, supersonic speed breaking the a Mach few more four. decades then we have the internet it's it's fucking nuts yeah but what's interesting about like the mind may, oh, fuck what's really cool about this is that um hold on you're going on about the mind like what are you talking about the mind because if you're going in the direction i'm thinking of i read a really great article about it but go ahead well i was kind of gonna go into like a capitalism segue oh, okay that's not what i was thinking then well, give me your point. I was talking about, there's this article I read, uh, I remember about a year ago about how the reason why we're like so stressed and depressed and all these like issues in our life is because like humans have like quickly overcomplicated their lives in a short amount of like span of time. Like we're like overstimulated with being like in cities and cramped and like ads thrown at us sounds thrown at us like the stressors of regular day life we're not like farming like we were 100 years ago we're just kind of like living simple lives now like gotta get up work and then you know gotta listen to the radio gotta listen to a podcast gotta do this gotta run the kids to school gotta get to work it's like all these things kind of like like our bodies and our minds have not gotten to the point where they're used to that so much like stimulation every day did you say that was the reason? That seems to be the leading idea. But then we have the people back in the day, like the common people, and we already you're... have documentation about I, I how they felt that. from their day to day. Well, think about weird. think about how we used to have a period in the middle of the day where we would sleep before. We don't have that anymore. The humans we used to have as a like, collective society like 200 years ago, the people would like close shops and go to sleep in the middle of like, a siesta. Mm-hmm. Like that was a normal thing. Now, today, like, the hustle and bustle, like, no one's got time for that. We push our sleep back all the way to, like, you know, nighttime and get all our sleep in at the same time in one solid block. Yeah, but it seems like a lot of that depression is is choice. Like, I choose to consume way more than I need to. True. And I can also decide to take a nap, you know, more often than I do. Right. So. I, it's hard for, for me. It's hard for me to sleep. Like, we day. decide to consume knowledge more than we care about sleep. And sleep is fucking essential to being in a good mood. Right. But I'm Okay, that's a good point. But I'm talking about, like, for the average person who, yeah. like, doesn't think about that from day to day. They're kind of just like, oh, yeah, this is just stuff we do now because that's what we do. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was going to make a separate point 
because I, I want to get into the pod, but this is like so fascinating. But it, they go in like so many directions. Mm-hmm. But the other point I was gonna make is like, yeah, from the 1900s to the 60s till now, all that stuff we created. But it's it's crazy to think that we created that much stuff in like less than 150 years, right? Yes. But like Homo sapiens, Homo sapiens have been around for like 300,000 years. Like, what the fuck was going on that we didn't develop? Like. The Stone all that Age. Much. Well, think about it. we have the Stone Age, the Bronze Age, the Iron Age, and then like. But we're still we have still still have the same fucking brain. So For the most like, part, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's like okay, why the fuck didn't didn't this shit happen? Like, was it our institutions that failed us back in the days where we didn't have? That's why I was gonna talk about capitalism. Oh, okay. It's like we. It seems like we've had this crazy acceleration because of like entrepreneurship and all this stuff, right? But. Yeah, to think we we've been around essentially the same type of human being for like, I forget the number. It, it's like between two hundred thousand to all the way up to like four hundred. But that's why safe side. Let's just go three hundred thousand. What the fuck happened in between all that time? Was I would say like, with, with to make a very to make a quick point so we can move on with the actual yeah, podcast. Yeah, we had several cultural revolutions that happened. We had the uh, Renaissance period with mm-hmm. that which dramatically advanced arts during the italian renaissance in the 1400s mm-hmm. uh that quickly the whole idea of people who were like just not just artisans in the sense like making pots and stuff like everyday use but like paintings and like the idea of uh of education was like highly promoted back then too about creating universities and stuff like that stuff looking beyond like looking at the stars and that's kind of stuff happened around the italian renaissance before that we had a uh, the dark ages which were like which by the way real quick i hate that term it's really the middle ages dark ages implies like nothing good happened that's far from the truth there's a lot of advancement in medicine in that time but people don't really think about it because they just think of like the religious stuff before that we had like the romans and the greeks and all that stuff and they were like philosophers they advanced stuff but not in the terms of like you're thinking of like technologically advanced right they advanced ideas of mm-hmm. like the human self the soul um government stuff like that but there was no like practical innovation till around once we understood how to manufacture things quickly and efficiently, which is like industrial age stuff. Mm-hmm. So anyways, this isn't a history podcast, nor a social commentary podcast or a futurist technology podcast. Although I would love to have one of each of those maybe one day. <laughs> this is the Deal with Sense podcast where we talk about video games and video game news. How much time are we in? We are at 15 minutes. Fuck. And this is supposed to be a big podcast. This too. is our longest intro, I think. <laughs> okay. Hopefully, I didn't already say his name, but in case I did, my name is Andrew Orozco. I am your host as always. I was going to say as usual, but no, always. I'm always the host. Joined by the Badger of the High Desert. You know him as the one who is always down for the cause, never down for the count. The self-proclaimed lost cause, the unnecessary one, Johnny. What's up? It's a little late for what's ups now, Johnny. We just had an entire conversation. Yeah, I'm kind of worked up now. <laughs> I like how you're like, what's up? Like, like, oh, uh, yeah, what's yeah, up? Yeah, I just, I just walked into the room. <laughs> exactly. Johnny, we have... We actually planned on recording this yesterday, and it, I was I was having a headache. You weren't feeling too well. You were under the weather. This kind of worked out perfectly because today... We have the nominees for all the major categories for the Game Awards this year. Mm-hmm. Just came out earlier this morning. So, without further ado, let's just dive in, shall we? Let's go. All right. 
So the official, the funny thing is, the nominees are already out, but the official cutoff date for being like elect, not elected, nominated is the nineteenth, which is this Friday. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of weird because if you go to the website for the Game Awards, the cutoff is nineteenth of November. Today's the sixteenth of November, so it's like, is there room? Are they like still tallying votes or something? Are they like, is there room for like a dark horse to just show up? I don't know. There is 30 categories. Uh, there is no way in hell we're going to do all 30 categories. I'm just going to do the six or seven that have me most interested, Johnny. Let's go with Game of the Year, which is the most obvious, the big one. This is the mm-hmm. creme to the creme, as they call it. We have our six nominees for Game of the Year this year. We have Deathloop, which not too surprising. It Takes Two, slightly surprising, not really surprising. Because indie games almost never make it on here. We have Metroid Dread, which I saw a mile away being on here. Psychonauts 2, which kind of makes sense to me. Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, a game that reviewed extremely well despite having very low sales. You know, for a PlayStation exclusive. And then Resident Evil Village. The only game on this list that I've actually played. (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to admit. Now, it's not that I'm not interested in the nominees. It's that I have limited funds throughout the year. Well, you played a game that's not on the list. Uh, what do you mean? Returnal. Oh, I did play Returnal. Returnal is not on the list. That was surprising for me. I, f- I thought Returnal would at least take up Ratchet and Clank's spot. Mm-hmm. Or at least um, Psychonauts 2. The other, the other games on this list kind of make sense. Like, it, it takes two. I know I said that sounds surprising. But it's customary that there's at least like the token indie game kind of brought up, sort of. So, uh, yeah, Returnal. I'm surprised is not on here. That was like supposed to be the the big like system killer for PS5, and it's not on here. Interesting to note. Um, just real quick, we have one Nintendo exclusive on here. We have two PS5 exclusives on here. And one, and then the rest are multi-platform. So it looks like things are slightly weighted, slightly weighted in Sony's favor. If they want to claim digs, if they want to claim like you know, bragging rights for Game of the Year, they have one third of the candidates. One third of the of the nominees are PlayStation related. So interesting to think. Johnny, do you have any input on these choices? Because you also played Village. We both played Village. Yeah. Would you say that's a particularly strong game that you play that you think deserves to be here? Well, a lot of these games are going to be a shot in the dark for me when we discuss them because, of course, I can't. We're not going to play all of them. But right. I'm okay if Resident Evil takes it. I played it. That's the only one I played on this list. Yeah, same here. So I hope this is the game that wins. Right. Uh, I wish Returnal was on it because I think that'd be stiff competition for the rest of the games. Um, Returnal is definitely special. I, I agree with you. I think it's a very special game. I have not completed it. It's pretty damn hard. Uh, I'm terrible at roguelites, but I've gotten pretty far in the game. And despite not being able to finish it and everything, it's still extremely fun to play. It is gorgeous. The sound, the the haptic feedback, everything in that game just screams like high tier quality. So yeah, I wonder. I, agree. I wonder if this has anything to do with. Maybe they call the company and they say, hey, we're nominating one of these two games. Which one would you like to be nominated? So maybe they call PlayStation and they say, hey, is it Ratchet or is it Returnal? That's not how this works. I'm just wondering if it has anything to do with, like... No. The nominees are decided by the 
there are several media outlets. I don't have the list, the full list right here, but several of the me- major like gaming media outlets are the ones who do the nominating, for the most part. Mm. So the actual winner, I think, of this category is going to be ninety percent de- uh, decided by the media, by the media outlets that are on the jury for okay. game awards, and then ten percent is public vote. Okay. So there you have it. So it doesn't work the way you think it is, where everybody gets one representative guaranteed. No, I was just wondering if like. If there was like some inside baseball thing where the media chooses and they're like, "Hey, we... oh, I see then, what you mean." Then they're like, "Hey, the media chose these two. Which one of these two would you like to be?" Oh no, it, yeah, it doesn't work that yeah, way. Yeah, it, it. I was just a theory. I, I don't really think. No, I'm pretty sure it does not work that way. Because the although... reason I was, I was gonna say that is because like Ratchet and Clank is more of a legacy game. So. Okay. I don't know. I'm just speculating. Now, for our listeners, uh, I was gonna I was gonna save off on like the Black Friday talk for next pod because we'll be closer. But if you like me are pretty cheap, uh, Deathloop will be twenty five. I believe twenty five dollars at Target on Black Friday. So that's how I plan on playing it. And uh, Psychonauts two, you can play on Game Pass. It's included on Game Pass. Ratchet and Clank. Rift Apart will be $40 at, I think, Target or Walmart. I forget which one. And I think It Takes Two is included on the EA EA, um, EA Access or whatever that thing is that EA has where you can play games on there. Mm-hmm. So the only one that would be hard... And then Resident Evil Village is going to be 20 bucks at Walmart. So the only game on here that's going to be kind of cost prohibitive will be Metroid Dread, which, as a Nintendo exclusive... Makes All the sense. games are ridiculous. Though. Exactly. So there's some ideas for you if you guys want to play these games before the awards to kind of get an idea of what you think deserves it. So so what game would you... Uh... That's not fair because I've only played Village. <laughs> Just pick one. Who I think will win or who I want to win? Well, I mean, I, you've only played Village, but I mean, we've seen some of the gameplay, right? We right. kind of get an idea of like, fuck. I of all these games... It. I really feel, and it's going to sound like odd, I really feel like Ratchet and Clank probably deserves it. And I say that because I've seen seen how well it's reviewed. I've seen how beautiful that game looks from a graphical standpoint, a technical Mm -hmm. standpoint. Uh, I've played Ratchet and Clank games in the past, and they're always fun. They don't really innovate. They're not innovative, but, like, pushing the hardware with, like, the quick loadings between, like, areas and stuff I think is really cool. Yeah, the gameplay looks boring. But it looks great. Uh, Okay, I guess I can kind of understand that. It looks boring, but it looks great. Yeah, aesthetically, it's it looks well, amazing. it's well executed, but probably not like gonna re- like hold a, your attention. It looks like a Pixar game, but for me, it's not the gameplay. I'm got for. you. I got so you. So, what's the game you think would win, and what's the game you want to win? I I want I want Ratchet and Clank to win, but I feel I feel it in my bones that Metroid will likely win. I feel it in my bones because Metroid, I think, was universally acclaimed from everybody who played it. And I don't know. I just I, I just have like this gut feeling, like this nudge that it's gonna go to Metroid. That's my that's my that's my theory. Okay, I'm shooting for Resident Evil. I think Yeah, I think Metroid is gonna be the one. Alright. Uh let's go to one of the other categories. We're not gonna do all of them, we're just gonna do a couple. Best game direction. Now this is the one Johnny and I were talking about where like it's kinda confusing. Cause okay. The official like description for Yes Game Direction is awarded for outstanding creative vision and innovation in game direction and design. Now these nominees are pretty much almost exactly the same as Game of the Year. Deathloop, 
It Takes Two, Psychonauts 2, Ratchet and Clank. But this one does include Returnal, Johnny. Hmm. Returnal is included in this category. So I could see this death loop. I could see it being innovative because of the whole time loop stuff, the way that game is designed. From what I understand, the game is executed perfectly. It Takes Two is a two-player game that you can only play with two players. And from what I understand, it, it's a huge social commentary on like divorce and love and stuff like that. But from what I understand, the gameplay is heavily relies on the two people playing kind of me- mechanic. Mm-hmm. And I've heard it's actually really well done. It comes from the same studio that did um, A Way Out, if you remember that one, Johnny, the prison one. Yeah. So it's, uh, I forget the guy, Hazelight Studios is a studio. There you go. This is the guy, the Joseph, uh, uh, Joseph Ferris. Do you remember him? He was the guy who said, like, like F the Oscars or whatever. I don't know if he said that. No? Oh, okay. Returnal, of course, uh, the House Mark title, the, what I consider, like, the darling of the PS5. Um, I mean, Returnal was highly influential in me even getting a PS5 because I wanted a PS5 in time for Returnal. Yeah. Uh, the game is beautiful. It's a roguelike. So for those of you guys who know, like, you know, you die, you have to start all over at the beginning. But, like, the game handles extremely well. It definitely takes advantage of the PS5 architecture. Very beautiful game. Very solid. Psychonauts 2. Psychonauts 2 does some really trippy stuff. Like, it reminds me... It's basically Inception, Johnny. If you've never played Psychonauts game, 1 or 2. Mm-hmm. They're basically Inception, where you go into people's dreams. And, like, the mechanics in Psychonauts 2 are insane. Where, like, they kind of do the... Um, what do you call it? Where you can you can go into like an open portal and you're already into another world, but then you can come back out and like the world is still t- so it's like how you see like those doors that are just standing up with like nothing behind them, right? It's okay. just a door that stands up by itself, right? Yeah. But you open the door and you can see the world inside. Okay. But the outside behind the door there's nothing, so it does that weird illusion kind of stuff where mm-hmm. like how are these two realities existing at the same time kind of thing? Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense for our audio listeners. That but makes sense. I think Johnny gets it. So Psychonauts 2 does a lot of that stuff where it's like, how does this mechanically work? It's kind of like, what? But like in a cool way. Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, of course, we, you and I both know, pushes the PS5's like entire like SSD drive with the quick transitions from portal to portal to portal. Yeah. Incredibly low low times, if any. Um, and, that, and the game looks fantastic. We saw the, the Digital Foundry video about the game and it's like, an amazing like specimen so these five games being nominated for best game direction i am totally in support of makes perfect sense to me now this would be diane this would be the situation where like because returnal doesn't win game of the year because it's not included i'm thinking they might throw a bone for returnal here and i think returnal might cinch it here for best game direction yes that's my thought because it there's always that one game that doesn't make it to game of the year that still gets kind of like, you know, the pit, not pity, but it still kind of gets like, let's throw, a, like you were saying earlier, let's throw a bone in this direction kind of thing. The thing I don't really like about this is like Psychonauts is in this, but there was already a release for Psychonauts, right? So to throw it back. What do you mean released? Here, it came out this year. But this is not the original. No, it's a sequel. Psychonauts 2 really i didn't know that yeah the original came out on ps2 like jesus 15 16 years ago yeah that's what i thought it was I thought this it was is a, a sequel uh, i thought it was like a remake remaster no it's a full-blown sequel okay so any thoughts on that before we move on to the next one no no you have next all right 
next one. I, I want to talk about this one because this is my favorite category. And that is best role-playing game. Because I'm a big RPG guy. Hold up. Can can we go to audio because that was first? I mean, it, audio is actually listed first. I just wanted to get to that one. But okay. All right. Best uh, audio design or score music? That's just a quick point. What do you think about audio design? Because we have Deathloop. We have Forza Horizon 5, Ratchet & Clank, Resident Evil Village, and then Returnal. This one I'm interested in, and I think Resident Evil should uh, win this because audio is just such a major component of the gameplay in Resident in a, like a horror game. I agree. You're right. So I think that's really why I should take it because when I played Village, I did get scared a couple fucking times, right? Was that mostly because of stuff that was happening or stuff you were hearing? Yeah, it has to do with gaming. I mean, it has to do with timing right. of the event. And the sound has to be on point when that, that action hits you. You know what's funny you mentioned that, Johnny, is I remember when I was going for the Platinum, uh, which I'm still one trophy away because I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I was doing, I had to play through the game at least four times to, to like get that far, right? To yeah. get close to the Platinum. And on repeat planes, I, I would just listen to podcasts as I'm playing the game. So I would turn down the volume and listen to the podcast. And I'm like, this game, I didn't realize how much the game relied on its atmospheric sound. Like mm-hmm. like the mechanic, like machinery grinding and yeah, monsters yeah. groaning. Like and, the last session of the game with all the atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, and like monsters growing and like growling and like and doing all that stuff mm-hmm. and like. I didn't realize like how much of a character that is of the game itself. Like the sound, the atmosphere, it's a huge component of like, you're right. Sound is extremely vital to horror, like whether it's in film or games. So, mm-hmm. but because you, you see other games and it's like, if a lot of them are just like real world type of sounds like Forza, it's like, all right, let's just go record some cars. You know? Well, Forza sounds great though. No, I'm not. Cause denying. I want to actually play with headphones on my computer. I'm not denying that it sounds great. But with things with Resident Evil, you got to be creative. Like, how does this fucking sound when somebody gets chopped up or like splatters up? and gushing? Like, and like, like imagination really plays a part in the sound in a horror game. You're not wrong. You are so, not wrong. You're not lying. That was all I had to say about audio. What do you have next? You have well, roughly... okay. So the so the nominees for audio are Deathloop, which I can't really say much. Uh, Ratchet and Clank, which again I can't really say much. I have played Forza Horizon. I told you the sound is great. It's yep. really great. The the revving of the engines, the sound effects of like the trees and the sand and the asphalt, like all that stuff is perfect. Again, Village, um, leaning highly toward Village. I think you kind of brought me around on that one. Village is great, but Returnal, Returnal's on here too, and Returnal has excellent sound audio design. I was gonna. The was rain in that game sounds like I, I feel like I have my windows down. and It's raining outside. And then I'm not even listening to I'm not even listening with like the pulse headset, which from what I understand it enhances the experience even further. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like the rain, the monsters, the sounds of like your 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 weapons. The game sounds extremely good, very atmospheric. You have those jungle sounds and stuff. It's really good. So, um, but I'm thinking Village, Village deserves it. Not sure if it'll win it because I haven't played Deathloop or Ratchet and Clank, but Village deserves it. I feel from what I've played, I think Village deserves it and should probably get it. So. Also, also, one more little point: uh, some of these games, if I turn off the audio, I could be listening to a podcast and the audio is like barely even relevant to me. But in Resident Evil, you fucking need the. Audio. Oh, you need those audio cues. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're right. So that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. That's a good point. Uh, what's the next one you want to talk about? Uh, role playing. Yes. Thank you. Finally. All right. 
<sighs> so role playing is interesting. Um, there's five nominees for role playing. There is Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> I was gonna say that should have had the most hype, and it got one nomination. I like how it, Cyberpunk is still like. A, I remember when I saw the nominees for Game of the Year. I'm like, wow, people forgot about Cyberpunk. It's like, no, they for, they forget. They just it just wasn't a contender. Yeah. Cyberpunk 2077 is here. Uh, Monster Hunter Rise, which is a uh, Switch exclusive I haven't played yet, will be on sale on Black Friday. For those of you who are interested in playing Monster Hunter Rise, it will be, I think, $30 at, at Target. I could be wrong. Look it up on your own. Scarlet Nexus, by far, probably one of my favorite games i played this year. I loved Scarlet Nexus. So, so good. I'm glad it's on here. Shin Megami Tensei 5, which just came out last week last friday have not played it heard it's really really freaking hard like gameplay wise it's really hard but i know the smt series is like kind of like a indie not indie but has its own niche of like hardcore rabbit fans and then we see tales of arise which is a game i really want to play waiting for that price drop but i really want to play so um of what i've played Scarlet Nexus is my favorite. It's definitely my the one I'm leaning towards. I just find it funny that Cyberpunk is here because although Cyberpunk does have RPG elements, it ultimately plays much more like a first-person shooter. Mm-hmm. But it does have, because it's, it's like a Western RPG, which is different. The rest of these games are JRPGs, meaning they're Japanese role-playing games. Cyberpunk 2077 is the only Western RPG, and it definitely plays like a Western RPG. But because the category is RPG and not JRPG, I guess Cyberpunk doesn't belong. So those are my two cents on that. Johnny, I know you probably have no experience with any of these games. I just have a little bit with uh, Scarlet. I've not completed Oh, I that. forgot you did play some yeah, of that. I do have intent on, on finishing this game, but I haven't. I forgot you did. Yeah, because I have a dick. Okay, I forgot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, from what I played, it's... So you kind of mostly si- kind of agree that you... Well, it definitely stands out in its own way. Yeah, it's. I wouldn't say it's like a triple A game, but it does feel polished for what it well, is. Well, it's Bandai Namco, which is kind. Of, mm, they're kind of lower tier triple A in a way. Yeah. So really, uh, it's the only game you really have experience with, also, because you didn't play Cyberpunk yet. No. Uh, Not I, sure if you ever will. <laughs> no. He's like no. So. Let's go. On I want next. any fucking game to take it except Cyberpunk. Okay. I want Scarlet Nexus so bad because that game is one of those games that deserves more eyes on it because I really want a sequel for it. Yeah. Uh, Shimigami Tensei, that's always that's gonna get a sequel no matter what. The Tales series is gonna continue no matter what. Uh, even... Monster Hunter is gonna continue no matter what. Scarlet Nexus needs that recognition to survive because it's a new like entry in a new franchise. Yeah, the gameplay is awesome. In there. So it's, yes, it's a great game. Absolutely. Funny enough, I tweeted I earlier today. I tweeted like, oh, I hope it's Scarlet Nexus that wins. And the game director for the game actually liked my tweet. So, I don't know if he just has his finger on his phone just waiting for people, just looking for... That's what it sounds like. I mean, Who's going to mention my game? Who's going to mention my game? Like, like, yeah. <laughs> What's the next category, Johnny? That you have notes for? I don't have any other notes. Really? Yeah, everything is a little... It's the same games. I mean, best family game. The best family game... Okay, that was the one I was going to click on. That one's funny because for for the last like year... For as long as the Game Awards have existed, best family games have always been code for like best Nintendo game, really. Because 
If you look at the nominees, they are, with the exception of It Takes Two, they're all Nintendo Switch exclusives. Yeah, so I hope Take Two takes it. It Takes Two, Mario Party Superstars, which, by the way, fantastic game. I love it. New Pokemon Snap, which I played, eh, not that great. Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury, have not played it yet. And WarioWare Get Together, have not played it yet. I hope Mario Party Superstars takes it, because it is fun to play with your friends and family. Uh, It takes two. Interesting choice concerning the themes of that game. It's like about love and divorce and that kind of stuff. So, ironic, ironic choice for best family game, <laughs> in a way. Is there any other game that didn't make it? You could think should have been here? Best family game? Yeah. Shoot. Uh, I mean, so the category says for the best game appropriate for family play, irrespective of genre or platform. I think Take Two is gonna take it. Everybody's gonna look at it and they're gonna be like, Nintendo always, always gonna get this shit. So they're gonna. I don't want to say petty, pity. No, but I don't think so. I, I think It Takes Two is probably deserving of it. I'm trying to think. Is there any other games I played this? I, you know what? I probably would have put Lost and Random in here. I love Lost and Random. But it's not family. It's not. It's not like Coach Couch Co-op. Is that the? Oh, you're right. These are all like. Yeah, right. You're right. You're right. Okay, in that case, no. These are fine. These are fine. Okay. I would give it to Super Mario Party, uh, Mario Party Superstars, because that's the game I played the most out of these. Uh, and then, did you have any more, Johnny? Or we? I think there's like one more category we're gonna look at. Nah, what do you have? So I don't care about any of the esports stuff. Like I always kind of, I always zone out during that stuff. Uh, I think what was it? It was best oh best debut indie i think oh you want to look at strategy didn't you say strategy or no no okay we're gonna look at best debut indie then we're gonna be moving on from this whole thing okay um we have the artful escape the forgotten city kenna bridge of spirits sable and valheim it says for the best debut game created by a new independent studio three of these you can actually play on Game Pass. The Artful Escape is on Game Pass. Forgotten City is on Game Pass. And Sable is on Game Pass. Kenna Bridge of Spirits, I believe, is PS5 exclusive. Right, Johnny? Kenna is yes. PS5 exclusive, right? Yep. And then Valheim is a PC exclusive. Um, I uh, the, the category is for the be- yeah, best debut game created by a new independent studio. I think Kenna deserves it, honestly. And the reason why I say that is because that game is drop-dead gorgeous. I One of my friends, uh, shout out to my boy, JR... He was uh st- he was streaming it when it first came out, and like even over streaming quality, like that game looks amazing. The gameplay looks pretty cool. Uh, the characters are really cute. The little tiny little black creatures that follow you, those like super like Furbies, mm-hmm. really cute. Uh, story I didn't see too much of the story because I was kind of in and out of the stream. But from what I understand, it's kind of like it has a really good like strong third act, and the gameplay. Everything about that game just screams like high quality for like a debut debut game. Well, everything looks cool. The narrative looks cool aesthetically. The gameplay looks a little bit lackluster. But why I'm really interested, aside from the aesthetics, is because a lot of people say it feels like I'm playing a PS2 game. I want to know what that feeling is. I know what it is, but I want to know how this. Oh, game... the gameplay does look like I would I would I would say it's like a very cutesy God of War. That's what it reminds me of a very cutesy God of War because like. It has that exploration element, but at the same time, it's not. It's kind of linear, but not too linear. I'm surprised you didn't say Horizon. 
Horizon? Not, I don't think so. I don't really see Horizon other than just using a stick as a weapon. And arrows. And arrows. Okay. But God of War has that too. So arrows and stuff. So anyways, it looks, it's very cutesy. It plays like a older traditional platformer, but I think that's kind of the limits of like this being a new studio. But I'm just talking about from a graphical standpoint, I think it really deserves it. Yeah. It's probably a, a studio Sony should probably pick up real quick. Now. Yeah. Ember Lab. Wait. Isn't Ember Lab already owned by Sony? By I think so. Aren't they? No. Okay, never mind. Now, from what I've seen, though, like on Twitter and in gaming circles, Forgotten City and Artful Escape were both extremely reviewed well. They reviewed extremely well. Art Forgotten City started off... Forgotten City started off as a Skyrim mod before it developed, eventually becoming its own separate game altogether. Developed by the creators of Skyrim? No, no. Oh. No, oh, really? remember debut game created by a new studio oh, yeah. this year. Right. And then Artful Escape is kind of like a in, like a very indie music themed kind of pixely game. Okay, I haven't played it. I heard it's good. Sable is that one that looks kind of like cell shaded. It's the one with the desert with the guy on the speeder bike in the desert. No, you've seen this before. If I showed you, you probably know what I'm talking about. It has like that sat- saturated kind of like. Cell shaded, saturated, like very bright, like washed out colors in a way, sort of. It's the one that has like that comic look with the like the cell shaded. I don't, I don't know what other like adjectives to throw out there. Oh, it's got the same uh, artwork as a uh, Little Devil Inside. Mm, Similar. I, uh, I, uh, I don't know about that. The art direction is completely different. Oh, you're right. But anyway, Sable. That's I heard it's pretty good. It is one of the least. It's one of the games I've heard the very least amount, but everything I have heard about it is terrific. That's cool. You get like a little uh, speeder. Yeah. Yeah, a little like a uh, what is it called? Star Wars. Come on. Speeder pod, bike. Pod racer. It looks more like, like a speeder bike, but yeah. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah. So, anyways, three of those games are on Game Pass. I'll probably be playing it during my Thanksgiving break, so I can be better informed and educated about these nominees. And I think that's it. I mean, there's thirty categories. That there's no way in hell we're gonna go through all of them. So, check it out. You guys can go to thegiveawards.com and see the nominees in the categories. But uh, we just want to talk about the main ones. And so, there you have it. Wow, Johnny, we're at 40 minutes already. And you were worried that we weren't going to have enough to talk about. So, in your face. Johnny, let's move on to the next one. That's what he said. <laughs> I had to think about that one for a second. It's not the easiest one, dude. Oh, Johnny. You see, you're too crude for radio. That's why we have a podcast. I never said that. That's why we have a podcast and not on uh, the airwaves. Johnny, the next article comes to us comes to us from Kotaku by Luke Plunkett. I like that name. Plunkett. It sounds like bop it, twist it, plunk it. Bobby Kotick, who is by the way the uh, CEO of Activision Blizzard, actually wrote Fran Townsend's deranged company wide email. So if you guys remember that email, that was the one about the, um, that was the email about how like they were not responsible for any like the stuff that happened there or whatever. Uh, so let's go ahead and start reading. Earlier this year, an email was sent to all employees of Activision Blizzard from the email account of Chief Compliance Officer, former executive sponsor of the ABV Employee Women's Network, and former torture apologist. That's the one I'm thinking of. Fran Townsend. Sent in the midst of the historical allegations of harassment against the company. It was so bad that it was one of the direct cited causes of a staff walkout. 
The email was one of the most tone-deaf, oblivious pieces of executive hand-waving you will ever see. Right in the middle of allegations that shook a major publisher to its core that led to a number of high-profile firings and resignations that has dragged both Activision and Blizzard's names through the mud for much of 2021, the email had the nerve to call the lawsuit sparking those moves as having presented a distorted and untrue picture of our company. And went on to say that Townsend was, quote, proud to be part of a company that takes a hardline approach to inappropriate or hostile work environments and sexual harassment issues, end quote. Despite everything that had just happened and was about to happen. Uh, and then there's like, it cites the entire email. Uh, I'm not going to read the entire email because it's way too long. The email understandably enraged employees led to Townsend stepping down from her role as executive sponsor of the Activision Blizzard Women's Network and to this day remains one of the most spectacularly ill-judged pieces of damage control from the company in a year where those have become all too common. Today, somehow, this email has returned and become even more explosive with the Wall Street Journal reporting that Townsend didn't even write that email that besieged Activision Blizzard boss Bobby Kotick did. The story says that Kotick, who, quote, approves most internal company-wide emails as well as media responses, and quote, drafted the email himself and then directed that it be sent under Townsend's name, likely because she was one of the few women executives at a company run predominantly by men. An Activision rep responding to the Wall Street Journal's reporting says Kotick now, quote, takes responsibility for the incident and regrets it, end quote, and adds, Mrs. Townsend should not be blamed for this mistake, end quote. If you remember at the time, Kodak criticized the email as having been tone deaf, despite the fact that it now turns out he wrote it himself. <laughs> Bobby Kodak must resign. That's what. That's how the Kotaku article ends. Um, Johnny, it has not been a great year for... Uh, Activision Blizzard. Uh, do you have any thoughts whatsoever about this whole like damage control PR stunt? No, it's not. It's just funnier more than anything. Is it? Fu- it is funny because I'm laughing. I guess you're right. It is funny. It's just like man, yeah, like, because they got receipts on it. They do. They. He's like, man, this email like that was not appropriate. Turns out he wrote it. <laughs> like wow, like it's so cringe, Johnny. Yeah. Talking about um, Activision Blizzard, I wanted to touch upon something else that's loosely related. Because, uh, again, not having the best year over there at Activision Blizzard. Uh, I want to talk about the sales numbers for Call of Duty Vanguard, Johnny. Yes. Which, not so great. And I know, I highly doubt it has anything to do with this stuff that's going on with Activision. Because the core audience of Call of Duty has, like, no understanding about anything related to, like... They break sales every single year, right? They usually outperform the previous year's Call of Duty. That is, until now. Uh, This article comes to us from GameIndustry.biz, written by Christopher Dring. It says, in the UK, Call of Duty launch sales are down 40%, which is massive, actually, year on year. Uh, GSD data shows that Call of Duty Vanguard struggled at digital and physical retail. Call of Duty Vanguard's launch sales in the UK are down 40% over last year's game, the latest GSD data shows. Physical retail sales dropped 26% over last year's game, whereas digital sales fell 44%. It has a disappointing result, but Vanguard is still the second biggest game launch of the year behind only FIFA 22, as usual. 
It's tempting to speculate this may highlight fatigue within the Call of Duty franchise, but there were a few areas that will have negatively impact sales this year. Vanguard's critical reception was muted, and the World War II Call of Duty games have typically performed below that of the more modern-based titles, which makes sense. The World War II games aren't that great, honestly. The console hardware transition is also something that needs to be considered alongside shooter competition from Battlefield 2042 and Halo Infinite. Both of which, Johnny, Battlefield's the game I told you about that I was looking forward to this year more than Call of Duty. Mm -hmm. And then Halo Infinite is like actually doing really well, like buzz-wise. So that's something. Uh, Finally, there is the service-based Call of Duty Warzone. The free-to-play Battle Royale game launched last year and remains hugely popular. Right. If you're getting your Call of Duty fix from Warzone, you don't need the next Call of Duty. Were you about to say something? Yeah, I was going to say, I think uh, Halo on the beta, like the little launch, already had a million people on it. That was the one. Are you talking about the one that launched today? Yeah. That's impressive. Uh, The other news release in the combined Digital Plus physical chart is... Okay, it's talking about Just Dance. That's not important. All right. So yeah, not a great year for Activision Blizzard. But I mean, forty percent is a huge drop off. Like it sounds like not a lot, but that's like almost half as many copies as last year. That's like for a company that probably has a forecast of like, oh, we're gonna make more than last year, and then to be like forty percent, you're gonna have to not count on forty percent of that revenue. Like ooh, that's a big hit. That is a big hit. Call of Duty's not going anywhere, but that's like. That's a big dent in their sales. Yeah, that might mean oh, somebody's getting fired type of shit. Maybe, possibly. Honestly, I think, speaking as somebody who does play Call of Duty, I'm only thinking about Modern Warfare 2, which is next year. Like, I'm not excited for this. There's a lot. I'm getting, If I'm going to get my multiplayer fix this year, it's going to be from Battlefield or probably just continue to play Warzone. I think uh, Battlefield has had a better marketing, like, yeah that's another thing i saw very little marketing for vanguard this year like yeah. usually call of duty like you start getting the stuff like in early summer mm-hmm. i think vanguard we only saw that stuff come out right after the scandal with activision and blizzard over the summer like that's when we saw this come out like a little yeah, later because a lot of the talk i see around vanguard is that the gameplay just isn't on point there's something odd about it but that alone doesn't really account for a 40% drop off. You know? No, I think well, it's a series. Yeah, it's a series of factors. Yeah, I think you're right. So, um, anyways, that's that on that. Uh, and then let's talk about more gaming bad news, Johnny. Let's go to Forbes for this next one. Uh, GTA, yeah, GTA, GTA trilogy. I cannot speak today. The GTA trilogy isn't the new Cyberpunk 2077. The definitive. The definitive edition is actually worse. This comes from Paul Tassie, who is a very well-known, respected game journalist over at Forbes. says, Yesterday, Cyberpunk 2077 started trending on social media. (laughs) And surprise, it wasn't because of any new updates to the game. Rather, it was because people were comparing the disastrous launch of the Grand Theft Auto trilogy, the definitive edition. That's a mouthful. To the release of Cyberpunk 2077, one of the biggest letdowns in gaming. For me, that's actually an insult to Cyberpunk 2077 because what we're seeing with the GTA Trilogy Definitive Edition is worse. Don't get me wrong, I can still recite the list of Cyberpunk 2077's crimes by heart. The game was barely playable and so much so that Sony removed the entire game from the PlayStation Store for six months. Ahead of launch... CD Projekt Red said Cyberpunk would perform well on last-gen consoles but didn't give out console review codes ahead of time, and that ended up being far from the case. 
The game itself fell short of the lofty expectations that had been set for it as it was missing the others and had issues with AI and a myriad of goofy bugs at launch. It wasn't the game that was promised even if over time many fans found they could have a good time with it. The opinion and opinions have somewhat softened a year later for many. That said, it remains a cautionary tale. I actually like Cyberpunk 2077, Johnny. I actually played it over the summer and uh, I only had a few errors really. So, if all this went wrong, why am I saying what's going on with the GTA Definitive Edition is worse? One quote I read yesterday was that CDPR shot for the moon with Cyberpunk 2077 and missed. While Rockstar shot for the ground and somehow still missed. <laughs> That's a good one. Cyberpunk 2077 was attempting to make a sprawling brand new RPG and surpass the beloved Witcher 3. The GTA Definitive Edition was simply remastering a bunch of old games. A seemingly far easier task and it still went so so terribly wrong what's going on with the pc edition of the game right now is bizarre sony took cyberpunk offline on the ps store but you could still buy physical copies or play the digital version you already owned but rockstar itself has taken the pc version of gta down in order to remove files left inside it ranging from everything from unlicensed songs to proprietary company tools to the san andreas hot coffee sex mod Johnny, do you remember that hot coffee? Mm-hmm. Ooh, that takes me back. So, even if you bought the PC version, Rockstar is literally preventing you from playing it indefinitely. There's also the broadness of the poor performance to consider. Cyberpunk 2077 was a sliding scale. The PC version of the game actually ran and looked pretty great, even at launch. Xbox Series X and PS5 playing unconverted last-gen versions were okay, not amazing. Last-gen consoles, like the base PS4 and Xbox One, were quite bad. But GTA Definitive Edition, all the versions, all six, PC, PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch are all performing badly for most players. People have commented that somehow PS3 ran GTA 5 better than a PS5 is running GTA 3. How is that happening? All right, I'm going to stop it right there because like, there's way more. He just keeps going on about it. Johnny... I was gonna say this for like the what I've been playing section, but mm-hmm. because it's relevant, I was I have been playing San Andreas Definitive Edition on Game Pass on my laptop through the X Cloud, and I've also played it on my phone through the Xbox Game Pass app on my phone, and I can tell you that somehow it actually runs better on my phone than it does on the X Cloud, which is actually the Xbox Series version over my over the mm-hmm. cloud. The game has a lot of stuttering somehow. Like I can run for, I can run Forza Horizon Five perfectly on my laptop, but I cannot run San Andreas, a game that has nowhere near the same computational like requirements, like at all. It just stutters. It's so bad, Johnny. It's really bad. Not to mention the character models look freaking weird. Like clouds. Like, like they're made of play doh. Or they have uh, additional. Did you see Ryder's arm when he's on the bike? Yeah, they have like additional fucking joints. And it's he, it's like a Z kind of. It's so mm-hmm. weird. And it's like, like they really did not. They really thought like, we can we can just print money and like, yeah. nothing will happen. One of the worst ones is probably when it rains and you go under the bridge. And it's I still forgot running. about that. Yes, the rain clips through the bridge, and you still can't see because because the screen gets darker, but the rain is bright. So you have like no idea what is going oh, it's on. Just ugly ass rain. Aside yes. from it like glitching out. It's ugly, it's distracting, it 
it takes up a lot of the fucking screen. It's mm-hmm. disgusting. It's really bad. It, it really looks disgusting. It really, it's really bad. And like, I'm glad I, I'm so glad I didn't pay for it. I am so glad I didn't buy it. I'm just playing it through Weren't Game Pass. Weren't you comparing it to something else? Because I was like, Andrew, fucking wait for this shit. Like, th- this shit does not look good. And then you're like, oh, don't worry, it's on Game Pass. Like, I did say that. Okay. And luckily, I only, I, it has not cost me anything out of pocket to play it. So, yeah, yeah it's bad, Johnny. It's really bad. And then the whole thing about, like, not doing refunds and, like, this is, I can understand, like, Cyberpunk at least had ambition. There was a goal, even though they overshot it. But, like, man, like, this, like, you guys didn't even try. They didn't even try, Johnny. It's, like, really bad. And I seen, like, PC mods. And this was in-house? No. Okay, to be fair, they outsourced it to a smaller studio called Grove Street Games, which is, like, a subsidiary, I think. Or, like, tangentially related to them. they own it, right? I mean, Grove Street? Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure they own the studio. Yeah. But I think it wasn't it wasn't like the the A tier st- developer. This was kind of like the B, the C, like the bench, like the people who are on the bench kind of. If that makes sense. They weren't they didn't send their best, let's just say that. So, pretty bad. Um Yeah, guys, don't buy do if you haven't already, don't buy the GTA trilogy. It the definitive edition at least. It's it needs work. It really needs work. So let's move on to the next thing, Johnny. This story uh, comes to us from GameSpot and is probably the one that's going to make me laugh the most. Phil Spencer says Game Pass is sustainable, not burning cash. I don't believe it. Written by Eddie Makuk. Makuch? Makuk? Makuch, okay. <laughs> Eddie Makuk? I hope I'm saying that right. Xbox boss Phil Spencer has said Xbox Game Pass is not burning cash and is a sustainable business for Microsoft. Speaking to Axios, Spencer said plainly, Game Pass is doing very well from a business perspective and a creative and engagement perspective. He said Game Pass is a real differentiator for Xbox in the competitive landscape. Still, some people wonder about the economic realities of the surface and if it is really a sustainable business and one that is an overall positive for gaming. After all, there have been plenty of high-profile gaming executives who have expressed their worries and concerns about subscription-based models. But Spencer doesn't agree. Quote, It's not the only thing that's growing in Xbox. It's It's not the only focus of the organization, and it, as a standalone thing, is very sustainable as it sits today. Just like today. It's sustainable, Spencer said. I know there are a lot of people that like to write... Quote, we're burning crash or burning cash right now for some future pot of gold at the end. No, Game Pass is very, very sustainable right now as it sits and continues to grow. End quote. The use of very, very Johnny kind of feels like I think thou protesteth too much. Yeah. Next part. Uh, quote, yeah, I mean, you could do the math on Game Pass. I guess you don't know how many subscribers or how much each subscriber is paying, he added. But you can make some fairly informed decisions and literally just do the math on what we think Game Pass could eventually be. You could do that on any part of the business, but absolutely Game Pass is sustainable. End quote. The fact that absolutely and the varies kind of make me feel like he's trying to... Selling it a little too hard. Exactly. Thank you for saying that, Johnny. You said it better than I could have. Spencer said Game Pass is great because it has led to a greater diversity of game experiences being available to people. That is true. 
In other news, Spencer recently discussed how Xbox will continue to make bold bets like it did with Game Pass in the next decade because that's what gamers demand. And that's kind of the end of the article. Uh, Johnny, like you said, it sounds like he's kind of overselling. How how in the long run is this sustainable? Like, are they... is is Game Pass like a front for laundering money or like what? But you you pointed out something that I didn't know. Uh, you said like people actually do buy a lot of the games on Xbox. Yeah, I forgot the details about it, but I was really surprised that the game is free on Xbox, but a lot of those that base for Xbox ends up buying it outright. Really? Uh, yeah, I don't know how that makes sense. Well, we were Unless kind of... they're the type of gamer that you are, which is like, oh, I want the hard copy of this. I mean, for the most part, yeah. If I owned an Xbox console, I probably would. There would be certain games I would just buy, like, right out. Outright, mm-hmm. I mean. But uh, seeing as how I don't have an Xbox, I just use Game Pass through my computer because that's how cheap I am. Mm-hmm. I find that surprising that people are still buying, like you're saying, buying a lot of the games outright. Like, Because, I mean, Game Pass is often, like... Not declared. It's often cited as the best gaming, the best deal in gaming, right? Mm-hmm. It's the best deal in gaming, the best deal in gaming. It's like 10 bucks a month. You have access to all these games. And it's like a lot of these first party games cost like millions and millions of dollars to make. Yeah. And I just find it so hard to even possibly believe that they're not burning money. And the use of, you say, like the varies and the absolutes, like he's trying really hard to be like, no, absolutely not. Like we're doing great. Very, very, very great. When you just said, maybe this isn't fair, but when you just said value, I kind of start hearing like the value meal at McDonald's and Burger King. It's like, okay, value, but is this like sustainable? Like for your body? Is this like the right shit to consume in the long run? That's a really good analogy. Right? Because. I don't know, dude, if you can fucking develop a game that costs 150 million bucks and then we're just going to fucking throw it on Xbox day one. I guess we would have to know how many subscribers actually have and at what tiers because there's there's the Xbox Game Pass and then there's the Xbox, the ultimate Xbox Game Pass, which includes like PC games with it. So it depends on which, how many of each tier they have. And then you can just run the numbers and like, yeah, this is profitable or no, this is not profitable. I feel like it's such a distortion of what the market is supposed to be. Like, you have these crazy multi-million dollar games along with these little indies. And, the, yeah, the indies might sell a lot. But then, I don't know. Like, do they do they say, here's your cut of the pie, depending on how many games, yes. how many players streamed your game? No, I believe the way they do the deals, because I saw some... I, there's a developer that I follow on Twitter that said that... Um, Oh, okay. The one who did Skatebird, which is like a small indie game. Mm-hmm. Skatebird, I don't know if you've seen it before. It's literally just skateboarding with birds. Uh, Megan Fox, she's the head of that studio. She said, oh, like we sold this many games. And like we sold, like, oh, I didn't know we were going to be this profitable. Even with the Game Pass deal, she said. So from what I understand, game Xbox does pay them like a certain like, like a buy-in, like a straight out like fee mm-hmm. to like put the game on Game Pass. Mm-hmm. And I have to imagine whatever they're paying has to be a good deal for the developer to be like, okay, make it free for this part of the market. But that's weird. She said it. She made profit in spite of Game that Pass? Even including the Game Pass deal. Like, even without the Game Pass deal, like, they still would have made a profit. So, she she's kind of saying... I'm sorry, like, even... She said, like, even not including the Game Pass deal, like, oh, we profited. Because the game also came out on PC and Switch. 
Okay. So she was like, oh, our game, it turns out our game actually already turned a profit like a week later, like even not including the Game Pass deal. Like so, without even including Game Pass, like the initial fee they paid, Yeah. like the game profited on Switch and PC. So like, it seems like Game Pass, I mean, Xbox does give them like an outright, like here is like the licensing, I guess, fee or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you have to remember like the games on Game Pass, like they rotate like every like six months. Just when it, just because the game's on Game Pass, it doesn't stay there forever. It gets yeah. rotated out, just like Netflix does when it mm-hmm. rotates in movies, rotates them out. Yeah. So, people might Forza is available now. We don't know for sure Forza will always be available on there though. Mm-hmm. But it's weird for it to be free on Game Pass at its launch window, right? Like stuff like that. Like how is that sustainable, right? Yeah. So this reminds me of Movie Pass. You remember Movie Pass, Johnny? <laughs> One of my favorite things to use. It was like ten dollars a month in unlimited movies, and yeah, that I, did not. That was not sustainable. I, well, I I also don't think it was sustainable because those theaters were not for it. Right, they weren't participating. So, like, so in order for it to become sustainable, like a lot of theaters had to accept uh, movie pass. Yeah, so I remember it, it the, needed a larger share mm-hmm. of the population to be sustainable, but the theaters weren't having some better deals, some back backroom deals, I think too. Mm-hmm. You're right, because I do remember, I think it was the CEO of AMC or something was like, oh, like, we don't like this idea of this movie pass because it's going to really devalue the idea of movies. And then when this is like goes away, because it did, then like people are going to be like, oh, they're not going to want to go back to paying full price again. And that's going to hurt them in the long run, which in a way it kind of did, but mostly due to COVID more than anything. But anyways, so... I don't believe it. He says, I think that, I think he protested too much, but he said it's sustainable. So I guess we'll just have to believe him for now. I don't believe him, but we'll see. We'll see, Mr. Spencer. We'll see. Johnny, let's go on to the story that you were super excited about and our last of our major stories. This one comes from IGN, written by Rebecca Valentine. Unity is buying Peter Jackson's Weta Digital, the VFX studio behind Lord of the Rings. Game engine maker Unity has announced its intent to acquire Weta Digital, the New Zealand-based VFX studio owned by Peter Jackson that's behind the special effects in films, including Jackson's Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit trilogies, as well as Avatar, Avengers, and the final two seasons of Game of Thrones. Okay, that's why I know them from Game of Thrones, because I heard about that. Weta Digital's VFX and tech span facial capture, anatomical modeling, simulation and deformation of moving objects, procedural hair and fur modeling, and a number of other advanced techniques that have gained its notoriety over the years. The planned acquisition, which is expected to cost Unity $1.62 billion in a mix of cash and stock, will see Unity acquire its tech and assets as well as 275 Weta engineers who will join the company. The deal is expected to close in quarter fourth quarter of this year, so between now and December, I guess. It's worth pointing out that this acquisition is being announced at a time of reckoning for Weta Digital. Just over a year ago, a local news investigation uncovered numerous allegations of a toxic work environment, bullying, sexism, and harassment. A subsequent independent review affirmed some of these allegations, after which its founder and CEO pledged to implement the report's recommendations to improve work culture. All right. Uh, I mean, there's a little bit more to it than that, but I'm just going to leave it there because that's kind of the important part is the part we've read. 
Um, Giant, what does this really mean? Does this really mean anything for like the average person, like the average consumer media, or is this kind of just like another continuation of studios acquiring other studios and just the competitiveness of gaming kind of just going down a little bit? Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm just really excited about this. Because oh, it's like, wetter. Like I don't have a whole lot to say about it, but maybe this move just has to do with with them being more like it sounds like the obvious thing. Like they have a greater tool set, so more companies are probably gonna be willing to be like, fuck, we can do all of this shit, right? Like in house or yes, something? Yes, exactly. Like it's all in house. You don't have to go to this company and then this other little fucking studio that people aren't familiar with like everything is right here Mm -hmm. so people are more likely to just go to them i feel like it's also kind of like um uh did you see the making of the mandalorian where they're using the unreal engine and they have like this massive fucking screen yeah i remember because i was pissed off from an article i read about like how oh like how fortnite is being used to make man and i was like no it's just the technology that fortnite uses it's not the same thing yeah 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 so I feel it's, they want to get to that stage where they can develop video games and also film and then they can have like their feet in both ends of it, right? Well, we are kind of seeing that trend, right? Remember uh, with uh, um, Kojima's company wanting to do like movies and like other mm-hmm. stuff. We've seen uh, s- several studios are kind of like expanding. I think Ubisoft, right? Ubisoft wanted to get into like making shows and stuff like that. Yeah. Like they have the resources to do other non-gaming stuff along with like supporting their main gaming focus yeah so uh, that, that's what i'm getting out of this it's it's a way to kind of bridge hollywood and video games mm-hmm. which i may or may not like i'm not sure yet but it's it's like they're all kind of beginning to use all this the tools you know the same exact tools yeah so this is kind of like um i think the word i'm thinking of is a vertical monopoly mm-hmm. where like you instead of owning Traditional monopoly is like where you own the competitors and like don't compete. Vertical monopoly is where you own the various stages of production of the thing that makes your final product. Mm -hmm. So like companies that own like the real estate rights to, let's say for example, a company that makes tomato juice, right? Instead of just owning the company that makes the tomato juice, they also own the company that makes the tomatoes. They own the company that owns the land that makes the tomatoes, the real estate land, right? So it's kind of like what you're saying, like acquire... The, the several steps that are involved and kind of just bring them in-house in a way. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think the term is vertical monopoly. I could be wrong, but that's what I remember from like my microeconomics class. So um, interesting stuff. I'm just wondering, is this going to like, are we going to see more, like what is this, like better special effects in more Unity games or? Well, you read the list of uh, films that they have, so they got impressive shit. They got a good record, a proven record. Okay, Johnny. I'll let you. I'll let that slide. Turning, turning what I did back at me. Okay. Wait, what? I'm just playing. I'm just playing. All right, Johnny. That I totally missed it. What? Because <laughs> you're like, well, you just read it. <laughs> no, I didn't mean like that. I know. I'm playing with you. I'm playing with you. Okay. All right, Johnny. That was the last of our major stories for this past week. Uh, we talked about game awards nominees. We talked about. Activision Blizzard stuff. We talked about Call of Duty. We talked about GTA. We actually managed to squeeze in more than I thought. Um, so, Johnny, what have you been playing? Or is there any quick points you want to make? Or not really? It's up to you. No. 
Sony teaches 25 games. Which we have talked about before. Yes. They have 25 games planned for production for the PS5. Uh, uh, Bloomberg is uh, its article by Bloomberg says Sony isn't going to reach its uh, supply. Yes, they cut back. I think was it a million units? They're projecting to have one million units less than what they originally planned because of chip shortages. Yeah, and they were. I did read that. You're right. They were having like three massive aircrafts going to Europe just to get the playstations i did see that yeah they have like a yeah three they're gonna air ship they're gonna ship by air uh some ps5s in time for it to the uk in time for uh christmas i guess yeah which would make a great like santa lifetime movie like it's like santa you gotta get these ps5s to england like oh man like okay let me just you know get put them on the sleigh (laughs) that'd be a cute story but um yes yeah so yeah the 25 games that are confirmed not confirmed i'm sorry 25 games because we don't know what they are exactly but there's 25 games said to be in production for the ps5 i'm wondering how many of those are games we already know about i don't know or because it's not it's kind of vague is it 25 games that we don't know about or just including stuff we know well what do you mean by (laughs) games that we don't know because all we know for like the next year is god of war horizon and spider-man very few games Wolverine. there's like less than 10 games right yeah it's like five but we know about them and it leaves 20 more maybe or is it an additional 25 i feel like it's an additional 25 Ooh, that could be interesting that could be dope because it's it's not teasing because we already know about the games that are coming right so the games that we know of like spider-man that's not a tease fair enough fair enough all right okay now tell me johnny what have you been playing since the last time we recorded nothing Damn, really? Nothing here. Okay, so what? More for, more Gran Turismo or more Fortnite? Yeah. Yeah, to which one? It's both. Oh, you've been going back and forth, back and forth? Yeah, like I mentioned before, I usually have like two games that I... Rotation? Two or three games. In rotation? Yeah, so just... Um, yeah, two or three games. But these games I'm, I'm already familiar with. So when I jump into GT, maybe I'll create like a new livery, some... <laughs> decals on a car livery is that what you call them yeah okay uh fortnite is just like really like i i often i sit down and they fortnite. added something new right i think in last week they added who did they add they added something from someone uh, oh naruto that was like today or was it yesterday uh have you played any of the naruto characters yet or no no you gotta purchase them I, i'm not into naruto 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 Na Ru Ru Toe. There you go. How many episodes? Oh my god, we're not even gonna get started. <laughs> there's Naruto, then there's Naruto Shippuden, then there's Boruto, which is like the sequel series. It's hundreds of episodes. No one's got time for that. Yeah. I'm I'm yeah, I'm just Okay, that's not fair. People have time for it. I don't have time for it. Well, we're kinda of a little late. Any anime that's more than like twenty four episodes, I just don't bother. So yeah. anyways, alright, is that it? That's all you've been playing? Yeah, I was going to say, sometimes I'm sitting playing, and I'm like, is this really fun? Or is it that it, it's like the only multiplayer game with I've learned and... that is a dangerous path to go down. How so? Never question whether you're having fun when you're playing something. Right. Because then you start to overanalyze everything, and then it stops being fun. That's what I, I've done that in the past, and I've learned to not go down that road. Because, like, am I actually having fun right now at this moment? And it's like... No, but I'm having fun in the collectiveness of the game. Yeah, that's what I got out of it. Because I'll go through a match and 
like the, there's some super close calls, like some jumping around with shotguns and fucking throwing like firebombs and everything. And then I'm like the only one still alive and I got to get to my team and I'm like, fuck, that was close. I collect their cards, I get in the car, drive across the map, and then like we get the win. That's like, that's fine. Yeah. Like in retrospect, it's fun. But when you ask yourself while you're playing, like the answer is almost always no. Yeah, because that's literally like asking in, in Metal Gear, like, why am I eating this shit? Like, this is, I'm not shooting nobody. Why is this part fun? Exactly. Like, I'm just collecting. I try not to do that because that's just, it, it's not like, it's close to like a gaming existential crisis and I try not to think mm, about it. All right. So, it is fun. You just don't always realize it till like later on. You're like, that was fun, but not in that very moment. So, you got to live in the moment, Johnny. Uh, I've been playing several things because guess what, Johnny? I finally completely finished Persona 5 Royal. After 145 hours, I I got I completed it. The game said completed. I finished the final boss. It said new game. I'm like, hell no. We're not doing a new game right now. It is way too soon for a new game. So Persona 5 Royal completed. Deleted it off my hard drive. And it's one of the best games I've Did ever played. Platinum? No, because that required like an additional 30 something hours. I'm like, we don't have time for that. I don't think you're also i would have had to have followed a very specific guide to like because there is missable stuff i don't think you'll ever get into it again i don't think so either i do miss the characters though i really miss the characters johnny but not enough to start over now there is a sequel game called persona 5 strikers which is a completely different type of game it plays like dynasty warriors uh-huh. but with the same characters and it takes place after the first game so there's no other anime connected to this or there is an anime but it's basically i think a retelling of the game Ugh. so anyways let's move on uh so i kind of talked about it already i played san andres I'm not gonna go down that path too much again uh just cautionary tale if you have game pass try it out see how you like it if you don't have game pass please do not buy it do not buy it yeah you might as well play the originals with the mods on pc you can't do that though anymore, Johnny, because they removed the originals from the PC. Wait, didn't they sue them? Was that the case? No, on Steam the game is gone. On the Rockstar, the their launcher, whatever they use what for their mean, games, you, you can own the game though, right? Oh, but you can't. Yeah, yeah. You can't read that. You can't get it again. Yeah. So, not only can you not like buy it, you can't if you already have. Oh, if you already own it and you don't have it like installed, you cannot reinstall it, which is weird. Mm-hmm. Which again. Why you need to fear the digital, all digital future, Johnny? Anyways, uh, I just to save you the trouble, just grab $60, throw it over the bridge. It's the same experience as playing the GTA trilogy. So, Other game I have been playing, which has ironically been much better and run better, is Forza Horizon 5, Johnny. Mm-hmm. Now, it is no secret, I am not a car guy whatsoever. I am not a car guy. I barely understand my car that I own as we learned about last week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Forza Horizon 5 has like one of the best like intros to a game. One of the best like opening introductions to a game. Because the game starts off with like okay, like we're in Mexico, there's some kind of Forza festival. That's what it's called in game, the Forza whatever, the Horizon Festival whatever. And like you start off, your car starts off in a uh one of those carrier planes. And it's kind of like in that scene in Fast and the Furious where they all just like fly out of the back of the plane. Yeah. And the cars like launch or like land or whatever. That's exactly how this game starts. Like you land and you start running. Like you're just driving down the path. 
you get to a certain period, like a certain predetermined distance, and then like the camera goes back up, and like it's the next car drops off, and now you're driving another car. So like, remember how I talked to you about this the other day about like a truck that's like all terrain? It's a Ford, a Bronco. That's what it's called. Mm-hmm. I told you it starts with a B. It was a Bronco. That's what it is. So like, the game starts with like an opening cinematic where you're driving the Bronco through like a muddy kind of like rainforest, like. They're kind of doing the thing where they feature all the terrains and all the cars for the terrains. So this car is going through like the mud. And then the next car you're driving is a, uh, it's a Supra. I forgot what model exactly. It's like a shiny silver one. I think like 2012, something like that. GR Supra, whatever that is. You're driving that car through like kind of like the sand. Like a, there's like a sandy transition. Mm-hmm. And then they go to the last car, which is really dope. It's that one from the cover of the game, the red one. I forget what it's called. Uh, it's like some kind of like Ferrari or some kind of like concept car or something mm-hmm. like that. It's the one where like you saw with the flaps and the fins and stuff like opening and stuff like really futuristic. Yeah, I don't know the name of the car. And in that car, you're, it, it gets airdropped onto like pavement, like a, the final stretch of a pavement. And you got like this immense like sense of speed from that car just driving on the pavement. Side thing, side. That's pretty much the intro to Riders Republic. Really? That's the same way you try everything. Another game that's gonna be on mm. Black Friday for I think thirty dollars. Which like I always say, never buy an Ubisoft game at launch, because it will be cheaper like within a month or two. Yeah. So good to know. I will be probably buying Riders Republic. Well uh, just try the demo first. There is a demo. I forgot about that. You're right. I will do that. Uh, back back to for Forza Horizon Five. Uh, so you're it's like an open world. There's like a story. Apparently, you're the pre you're the champion from the previous Forza Horizon game for four, which was like in England, I think. So like the game continues. Like you're now like across seas or over here in Mexico, like to prove yourself again or something like that. And like, there's this free, like, there's like a free roam mechanic where you're just basically driving all over Mexico, which is like super, super cool, especially if you are Mexican because there's like stuff you see that's like, like that's ar- architecture that I know because I see relatives in Mexico and stuff like that. Um, Wait, so where in Mexico is this? It's kind of all over. Like they kind of move the stuff together. So like Tenochtitlan, which is like north of Mexico City, mm-hmm. which is like the capital of the Aztec Empire. Like that's like a part of the game. Then they have Guanajuato. Remember when we went with the mummies? Yeah. Guanajuato, the whole city, like, is a part of the game. That's impressive. Because that city is, like, a fucking... Maze. Yeah. But they also have the... Remember the tunnels? The tunnels yeah. we went through? They have, like... That's, like, a part... Like That's, like, a racing track you also. You wear the Verizon hats? Huh? You wear the Verizon hats. Verizon hats. You're not, never mind. I don't get the reference. It's always a joke. Okay. I don't get the reference. Uh, there is the, the, the volcano. It's hard to pronounce like something. I can't pronounce the name. It's like in the waddle. <laughs> it's like the ancient language, but like there's a volcano. There's uh, I mentioned, uh, there's like Tulum. I don't, I don't think you've been to Tulum, but your brother and I have been to Tulum, which is like near Cancun. Oh, okay. So yes, yeah, so I know where like the like, temples are and stuff. I'm like, assuming you go to Chichen Itza. I, if it's there, I haven't seen it yet. Because okay. I'm only about like six or seven hours into the game. The racing mechanics, like the sound is amazing. The The variety in cars is cool. There's this cool mechanic where like each car you have has like its own separate kind of like tier of skills you can like level up. Yeah. So like if you fill up like the bar, whatever, you get like this free like lotto, not lotto, uh, this free like wheel of fortune kind of thing. 
where you get like a free spin and depending on where it lands you get like a free car so like i won a was it a 2019 dodge challenger which is like a really cool car very strong muscle car and then i also won a was it a 2012 bmw z4 okay like the little sh- like it was like a sandal that sh- that car mm-hmm. and so the game is pretty liberal with how often it rewards you with a new car mm-hmm. just to kind of play around it does a thing where you're doing a race and like before you start the race it's like hey this is the kind of terrain of the cars you have these are the ones we recommend for this specific track now to make it fair whatever car you choose the opponent's cars will be a car of the of a similar make or similar class so let's say I decide to go on a muddy track with like a Ferrari. Well, it wouldn't be fair if I'm going up against like monster trucks and like cars designed for that terrain. And I'm the one that's like really fast, but really clumsy. Right. So all the cars will then be like in the same class or category of the car you choose to be fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're playing like the solo like races, they have this mechanic where it's very user friendly where you can actually rewind the action. So if you crash or whatever, like you can actually just rewind the game a little bit. Not all the way, but you rewind it enough to the point where you can like like let's try that again. Because some of the races are super long and if you and it doesn't have the thing like ru- like rubber banding. I think that's lame. It doesn't do that. So instead it has the rewinding mechanic because if you lose your lead, like good luck trying to get that back. Yeah, I think the rewind is lame. It's from what I understand, it's been in all the Horizon games at least since Horizon 3. Okay. So it's something that's just part of it. It has it, it can't you can't use it online, obviously. Okay. It's only just for the single player offline experience, which is fine because it's the same thing as just having unlimited tries in a race, anyways. Sort of. Uh, the car handling is a part I, I struggle with the most, mostly because I like to race specific cars. I love tuners. I love Japanese cars. Yeah. With my decals and my anime like vinyls and stuff. But the terrain is not for that car. <laughs> so I end up swerving or over like correcting when I'm turning. And mm-hmm. so I find myself doing the rewinding thing because the other cars, even though they're like the similar make as mine, they're the AI. So the AI knows when to drift, when not to drift and stuff like that. So I kind of have to learn how to do that. So I don't have to rely so much on rewinding, mm-hmm. hopefully. Um there's other stuff to do. Like you can find like points of interest, like in the local area, like, Oh, here's like a landmark. And like, you can take, a, there's a photo mode and you can earn points for the photo mode. And then those points go towards you getting like a free spin for another car. So the game has like a lot of stuff to keep you engaged constantly. It's like, have a new car, have some in-game money to buy a new car. Like it keeps you engaged. It's not like very frugal with its offerings. So there's always something to do. Like you, you don't, there's always something to work towards or something to earn. So you're never kind of just like bored, I guess you could say. There's always some kind of stimulation, like some kind of like Pavlovian, here's a treat kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, the soundtrack is dope. There's some songs that I know from real life. Like there is some like mariachi and uh, saying that sounds weird. Mariachi. There you go. There is like reggaeton, there's rap, there's rock. There's some of my favorite bands like uh, Bring Me the Horizon, which is like a do- another kind of on the nose a band named horizon in it but uh that's like post hardcore which is like one of my favorite genres so that's really cool the soundtrack is dope the sound effects are dope the gameplay is dope there is i haven't really tried the online stuff because i just know inherently i'm gonna be a disadvantage streaming the game over my laptop there's gonna be latency and delay input and all that stuff and i'm just like 
I don't have the handling down for that, so I just haven't bothered with that. I just know that's not going to be for me. I'm just here to play the offline single-player experience. So you haven't done any online? No. Because I know it's not going to work for me. That's the, but you haven't, that's the best part, dude. It probably is, but I'm not very competitive when it comes to racing games. It just feels so different when you know you're AI versus human being. I'm sure. Yeah, there is. Yeah, you're right. Because I don't get the same satisfaction when I get first place. I'm like, well, how else? Yeah, there was no, there was no alternative to the outcome. No, online they do wild shit. I would have to have a console. I would have to have an Xbox console for me to feel like comfortable enough online. But I mean, in an actual Xbox controller, not my. But a lot of these people are streaming just like you are. Are they? I'm assuming. I don't know that for sure. I was just jumping into it. I might try it just to say, but right now the issue is, from what I understand, like Brian, our friend, our cousin Brian, and a few of his friends are playing it, and they're telling me that the multiplayer is kind of broken right now. That there's a lot. Dis- there's, no, they're playing. They're playing on PC, which shouldn't have that issue. They're playing on a regular, like they actually had the game installed on their desktop. Mm-hmm. But they're telling me that the there's disconnectivity issues. There's issues with like loading and like the players don't load for some reason. Oh yeah, it's like a. The infrastructure for the online right now is kind of broken. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to see if that will get patched or fixed later on. So um, Forza Horizon 5, great game. Uh, never stood a chance at getting nominated for Game of the Year because racing games and sports games in general don't get those kind of nominations. Even though, even if they objectively deserve it. Um, but I'm having a blast with Forza. I want to play some more. Uh, I know there is an end to the game. Like the single player, there is like an end. You can beat quote beat the game because there is like an end like narrative yeah i don't know if i'll get that far probably from what i understand i'm about a fourth of the way through the game so we'll see how that turns out uh johnny do you want to take a guess at one other game i've been playing i need a clue is it on game pass yes and no the base game is on game pass but the the special edition i think you is not you want to take a guess, Johnny? A game that you're like, why do you keep coming back to this game, Johnny? Andy. Wait, fuck. Okay, just tell me. I'll give you a hint. Bethesda. Fallout? No, but you're very close. What's the other game besides Fallout that's associated with Bethesda? I know you can do it, Johnny. No, I really can't. It just got a PS5 upgrade for free. Skyrim, Johnny. Skyrim. I didn't think you were going to say that. Skyrim. I am back in Skyrim, Johnny. But with the free PS5 update for Skyrim. So if you have the PS4 version of Skyrim, over the weekend, they uh, they finally launched the PS5 version of the game. I don't get it. It is beautiful, Johnny. I thought... I thought this is a game that keeps... It's kind of like GTA 5 that it just keeps getting re-released, re-released. Yes, Johnny's doing the milking thing with his hands. Kind of looks weird. Yeah. But he's yeah, he's doing the milking thing with his hands. But Skyrim is one of those timeless games where like as long as they keep improving on the base experience, I'm still going to be here for it. I did not pay for it because I already had the PS4 version. So it's just a free upgrade. Uh the game runs now at 60 frames per second, which yeah, ray tracing. looks beautiful. There is better lighting. I cannot confirm it's ray tracing, but the lighting is much better. Cannot confirm. I don't see reflection, so I can't say for sure that's what it is. But the lighting, when like the 
when there's like fog and the, like the light breaks through the tree branches, like it looks gorgeous. God rays. Yes, God rays. That's what it's called. Thank you. You always have the terminology down. Yeah, but like the game runs at sixty frames per second. It is super smooth. I never noticed how non-smooth the previous versions of the game were until just now. Mm-hmm. Where like it looks kind of like you know when you go to the a store. And they have those TV models on display, and like everything looks overly fast and quick and smooth on this on the TV. That's how Skyrim looks now. We're like, it's so like velvety, buttery smooth. The frame rate is great. Uh, the visuals are great. Everything's crisp. I I can I cannot confirm, but I feel like the colors are even brighter in a way. I don't know if that's just like 4K. It isn't 4K. HDR. Maybe it could be HDR working in the background. I don't know for sure. It is in 4K. And the game looks at more beautiful than I've ever seen before. Still the same gameplay, same voice acting, everything, sound, music, all that stuff is the same. It's just visually. Which is, which is bad. Like, the voice acting is bad. The gameplay is bad. How like, dare you? Why? How why dare you, play? you? Like, yeah, it looks beautiful. We'll just look at a painting. Like. Okay. Anytime you say a game looks great, I'm just going to tell you, Johnny, just look at a painting. Yeah, and I always say, that looks good, but the gameplay isn't for me. Just, okay, just say so that. So I don't the, play it. The gameplay is not for you. No. Not that it's bad. It's just not for no, Johnny. It's bad. Okay. I've been playing Skyrim, uh, the PS5 version, and I love it. Don't know if I'm going to stick with it. I've, I'm kind of just retreading old ground, but it's got my it's got its hooks in me again, and I'm like, this is like the best way to play this game, so... Those are my final thoughts on that. Uh, and lastly, Johnny, I've been playing a game that I have not played in two years. Never finished it. The Outer Worlds. Not to be confused with The Outer Wilds. Different game. Excuse me. Uh, the one that's precisionally generated, right? That's The Outer Wilds, I think. Outer Worlds is the Obsidian game. The one that was uh, the studio that was bought by Microsoft way before Bethesda. Okay. This is the RPG where you're going from like planet to planet, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same people who did my favorite Fallout game, New Vegas. It's then they did uh, the Outer Worlds. It's kind of like a. It's one of those games where you start off and it's like, like what are your base skill sets and like what are your strengths and stuff and like, and you're like free to play however you want. You can like negotiate. You can just shoot everything. You can just beat everything with a stick. It's very open world RPG, Western RPG like style i'm having a good time with it i bought this game the same day i bought modern warfare back in 2019 played like an hour of it and then i just got distracted by modern warfare and i just never came back to it now that i'm done with persona 5 i kind of have the itch for an rpg that's not a jrpg and so that's kind of the reason why i decided to pick it up again because i had it for so long but never really gave it another shot until now and now I'm kind of like, I should have been playing this way earlier. I don't know why I let Modern Warfare dis- like distract me from it. Mm-hmm. So, Outer Worlds, pretty fun so far. I just got off the first planet, and I think there's like three or more planets or something. Mm-hmm. So, lots of fun, Johnny. Lots of fun. And now I have brought you up to speed on everything I've been playing the last week. So, we've reached the end of the final segment. The finals, yes. Is there a final segment? ASMR. Why? ASMR. Explain that to me. ASMR. You know. Oh my God, Andrew. I uh, know what it I, is, I, I but don't I don't know, know the abbreviation. Never mind. Uh, uh, I'm so confused. Never mind. Okay. 
All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you uh, for listening to us this week. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed the discourse. I think that's the right word, right? Discourse, the conversation, the talk, whatever it is we want to call this, the podcast. Uh, if you have any questions, statements, uh, want to reach out to us about anything we've said, maybe you want to share your ideas for who should have been nominees for what category. Or maybe you want to suggest a new category. I've been thinking about that, Johnny. This should be like a new category. Like, like? I don't know, like best game to play when you're like drunk or something. Or... I want the best, best dumpster fire. The best I... worst game? Yes. I thought you were going to say like the best like waifu in the game or something. No, no, no. No, 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 no. What is a dumpster fire of that year? That's what I want. I guess that would have been GTA San Andreas. Uh, Cyberpunk. Does that's okay? That still counts, I guess. Yeah. yeah GTA, think... GTA will be for next year. Oh. <laughs> All right, I think we're done here. Uh, go ahead and reach us at DualSense Podcast at Yahoo.com. Again, that is DualSense Podcast at Yahoo.com. You can also find us at our Twitter at DualSense P. Just DualSense P on Twitter. Uh, Johnny, do you have any closing thoughts or statements before we close out the night? I am good, as usual. All right, guys, thanks for listening. We appreciate your listenership. Uh, We're doing great so far, and we hope to continue to grow the pod in the future. So until next week, uh, next week I will have, I will mention some more Black Friday deals because I have, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I am very invested in not spending a lot of money on games. So look out for my Black Friday deal segment next week. Goodbye. Thanks.